How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? You guys survived the monsoon outside. Everybody, everybody enjoying this this Scottish weather right here. Anybody? Any, does, is there anybody that thinks we need more rain right now? There's like one or two people. Yeah, we we don't like you right now. Anyways, uh, I, I I determined on my way here. I was driving over from our Pompano campus, and it's like raining cats and dogs. That because you're here, you're definitely going to heaven. The, everybody else has skipped out on church. I don't know about them today. So, uh, anyways, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we've been in a series called Plan B over the last couple of weeks, and we've been trying to answer some of life's more difficult questions that are are not the easiest questions to answer that are out there. We've been asking some questions like, what do you do with your shattered dream? What do you do with your unmet expectation in life? What do you do when God doesn't show up the way that you thought God was going to show up and how he was going to show up? In fact, this week I I read this quote by C.S. Lewis that was just great. It says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And uh, isn't that so true? It's like, man, when things are going good, we don't really hear much of God's voice. When it's average, eh. But man, when we're in some difficult moments, it's like God's voice becomes most evident in that moment to every single one of us in life. And, and if I can just kind of cut to it, here, here's the deal today. Um, Here's what I know, is we are all going to get to a place in life where we're going to experience some traumatic pain. We're all going to get to a place in life where we're going to experience some huge kind of potholes is what I would say they are, where, where we go, what do you do when? What do you do when your marriage falls apart? What do you do when you get diagnosed with cancer? What do you do when that friend that is very close to you betrays you in that moment? What do you do when there's not enough uh, money for the month? What do you do when there is some trauma in your life? What do you do when it rains for 47 weeks and you have a leak in your roof and it's filling up with water in your house? You know, like, what do you do in those moments? And, and hear me on this because a lot of times we think that Christianity can be kind of boiled down to a bumper sticker kind of slogan. And it just can't. Like, I, so many people think that if I just become a Christian, everything is going to be good in life, and I'm going to have the answer to all of life's difficulties. I'm going to have the, the answer to all of the difficult questions in life. And, and just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to have the answer to all the difficult questions. Why? Because life is difficult. Life is complicated. Life is, is complex. And honestly, we don't have all of the answers. And John, Jesus actually speaks to us about the difficulties in life in John chapter 16. He's going to talk about two realities that we face. And so if you want to turn in your Bible to John chapter 16 uh, or look in your worship God at the notes there, you can just pay attention on the screen. This is one of the rare weeks at Coastal. If you're a guest here with us, man, we're not going to cover a lot of scripture today. It's actually really, really simple. We're, we're covering two verses today, which, which isn't normal, but I, I, I was struggling a little bit with this today, and you'll understand why in a second. But in John chapter 16, verse 33, this is what Jesus said. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He says, in me, you will have peace. He, he says, listen, you're not going to have peace because uh, you, you go to church. You're not going to have peace 
because uh, you worship in your car. You're not going to have peace because you're part of a Bible study. You're not going to have peace because you have a big old Bible on your coffee table. No, the only way you have peace is in me. It comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ is where you have this intimacy with God that all of a sudden you experience this unbelievable peace in life. Now, the next logical question, if you were there and you heard Jesus would say this, is go, well, why do I need that kind of peace? Why do I need this kind of peace that you're talking about? And he continues on, he says, because in this world, and he, he wants us to know that there are two realities that we're all facing. There is, a, there is a, a spiritual world and there is an earthly world that we're all living in the reality of. And so he's saying, in this earthly world, he says, you're going to have some trouble. In this earthly, sin-filled world, there are going to be some difficulties that you're going to experience in your life. In fact, Jesus is giving you a seven-day forecast of your life, and he says, hey, Monday is going to have trouble, Tuesday is going to have trouble, Wednesday is going to have trouble, Thursday is going to have trouble. Basically, any day that ends with the word day is going to cause some trouble. You're like, some of you are like, I, I know that. I, I experience that every single day. And he's not saying like the kind of trouble like you lost your keys. He's saying like there, there's going to be some trouble that you're going to encounter in this life that is going to be a, a, a faith kind of shattering where you're questioning, God, are you real? And does this, all this stuff really even exist because of those two overlapping worlds? Because there is a reality of we have this God that is all-powerful and all-loving and is, is completely consumed with us, but yet we live in a broken and fallen world. We live in the brokenness of today. In just the last 10 days, we've seen the brokenness of our world and school shootings again. The reality is, is we live in a broken world. And then Jesus ends the verse by saying, take heart, I've overcome the world. And this is huge for those of us that are experiencing some difficulties in life right now that are experiencing some unmet expectation and some shattered dreams that our world is being rocked. He's saying, listen, don't lose sight. You need to understand that there is still hope in your circumstance. Now, what's interesting to me is that if you just kind of take portions of this verse, you can end up with some jacked up theology. And a lot of people, that's what happens is they take one side of this verse or the other. They'll take in this world, you'll have trouble and they'll build theology around that or take courage for I've overcome the world and they'll build their theology around that. And so if you take your theology around in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have the mindset like this world is, is terrible. It stinks. You're going to end up with a bumper sticker mentality of, of, of crap happens. It actually says something differently than that, but that's going to be your mentality when it comes to this world. And you're going to go, man, I live and then I die. That's it. Can't do anything about it. And some people live that way. But then on the flip side, Jesus says, I've overcome this world. You can go with a mentality that, man, when I become a Christ follower, everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. I'm never going to have any trouble. I'm never going to have any difficulties. And if you do, it must be because I don't really know God or I've sinned in a major way. You take either one of those theologies, you're going to end up jacked up. That's why Jesus says, man, you've got to put them together. And he's saying, listen, you're not exempt from trouble. You're not exempt from plan B's in life. But when those things happen, you don't have to give up on life because I have overcome and so can you. He's saying there is some hope at the end of this. And I want you to know, man, that I've, I've, I've struggled so much this week because my heart has been heavy because how do you wrap up a series called Plan B? 
And how do I put a nice bow on this series to kind of make it good and us end on this really positive, awesome note, um, help you, encourage you to deal with these things? And, and what's been interesting is over the last couple of weeks, man, I've gotten so many emails, uh, so many letters, phone calls from people that are, have just been sharing their shattered dreams. And honestly, as your pastor, I've been overwhelmed by the brokenness and the hurts and the transparency and the loneliness that so many of you are facing. And, and, and let me just say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for inviting me into the middle of your pain and your brokenness. I know that that can be a, a, a difficult place to invite people into, but I don't take that lightly. And so more than anything today, I want to give you a bow and what I mean by that is, is, is as we're programming and thinking about weekends, we try to create services that lead you to this place where everything is wrapped up really nice in a package and, and you just unwrap this beautiful package and it's like all the answers of life are there. But I don't have a bow for you this weekend. And I think that you probably have figured that out. And, uh, and so as I was praying about this and thinking about this, uh, I, I thought about what, what can be the answer to this, and I only felt confident in one place where I could take you this weekend. And that's to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it's at the cross of Christ that we have got to turn to when we're in our plan B moments. And, and I, I get some of you, you're like, are you serious? Like, I already did my business at the cross. That's how a lot of us approach the cross. We think, well, I, the cross is about forgiveness. And so when I gave my life to Christ, I asked Jesus to forgive me. And so I did my work at the cross. Like, I've taken care of that. Others of you think, well, the cross is about my past. Well, I took care of my past way back in the day. Like, we need to talk about my future. That's what we need to talk about. And so many of us look at the cross as a beginning point in our relationship with God. We look at the cross as a starting place. And listen, the cross isn't the starting place in your walk with God. The cross is the centerpiece of your story with God. It's not some place you just go and do some business one time and move on. It is the very essence and heart and soul of our faith in God. And without it, we're going to be missing the central element that's going to transform everything. And over time, we have to continuously stay focused on the cross of Christ. And so there's a verse in Hebrews 6.19 that says this. It says, it says uh, I thought they were going to throw it up there on the screen for me, but they didn't. So I'm going to have to look at it in my Bible. Come on, Thea, what are you doing back there, girl? I'll call you out. Call you out. Thea, stand up for everybody. Everybody, come on, Thea, stand up real quick. Everybody give it up for Thea. The only time we recognize those people is when they screw stuff up. So we just thought we'd give her a, a, an ovation here today. I'm just kidding. We love you, Thea, and your hair. It's awesome. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 19. It says, this hope... Referring to the cross of what Christ did is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. The word picture the author gives us here is the cross is an anchor for your soul and for mine. And I'm not sure there's anything more important that you need today especially on a day with this much rain, than an anchor in your life. 
It's an anchor for our soul. It's an anchor of hope. Now, I'm not much of a, of, of, a, of a boating person, but the one thing that I've learned about anchors is anchors don't have any value on your boat. Anchors don't have any value in your garage. The only time an anchor has value is when it drops below the surface and hits rock bottom. The only time an anchor is helpful is when you're at the bottom, right? Because it's at the bottom that the, length, the anchor all of a sudden catches hold and provides support and stability for your world that is getting what? It's getting rocked by the waves of life. And so many of us, what we fail to realize is our life is getting rocked by the waves of life, but we have neg neglected and negated the anchor for our soul, which is the cross of Christ. And so what I want to get back to is, is I want to get back to this anchor for our soul. And we need to remember what the cross is all about because the cross is a reminder, if you're taking notes, number one, that God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He loves the person next to you. He loves the person that cut you off on the way to church today. He loves everyone. And I want to make sure I communicate this clearly because some of you think that because of a heartbreak, of a, or a shattered dream, or some pain that you've experienced, or a mistake you've made, that, that God doesn't love you. But God absolutely loves you. And what you need to know the most is that, is that a lot of us think that God must not love me because I'm going through this. And that is just simply not true. But here's what happens for a lot of us. What happens for a lot of us is we get so focused on our circumstances and here's the problem. When we start focusing on our circumstances, it's really, really easy to come to that conclusion that God doesn't love you because of your focus in life. And if you're focused on all the problems and all of your circumstances, then you'll come to a conclusion that God does not love you. But we're not to focus on our circumstances. We're to focus on the cross. And when we start to focus on the cross, we're not paying attention to our circumstances. We're already paying attention to the fact that God already proved his love for us, that God sent his one and only son to, that whosoever should perish by believing in him should not perish but have everlasting light. We'll realize that there are no limits to God's love for you. There's no limits to God's love for me, and it will remind us continuously that God does love us. Now, that doesn't make the pain go away, though, does it? Because let's be real. We, we love to just go, oh, go to the cross. The pain's going to go away. doesn't make the pain go away. It's one thing that I've learned in life. No words that I'm going to say today are going to make your pain go away. But one thing that I've learned, I, I, you know, I introduced you guys to my son, Last weekend, cutest kid on the face of the earth. I've, I've got to say, I, told, I was talking to some parents before first service here, and, and our 10-week-old our, our child is already sleeping through the night, so I came to the conclusion that we are the greatest parents of all time. I mean, I just like, we got a full eight-hour sleep. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I mean, that's like, Jesus is in our house. I'm just letting you know. If you want to know where he is, he's staying in our guest bedroom, keeping our son asleep. Uh, but one thing I've learned now, now having a child is, is that uh, when my child is in pain, there's one thing that he wants in that moment. He wants his mommy. He doesn't want me. He wants... In fact, uh, uh, last week we went to the doctors for the very first time. He had to get uh, his, his first shots. And I know some of you guys, you shouldn't do that to your kids. Listen, we don't have any choice. It's called the state of Florida, okay? Take it up with them. Uh, and, uh, 
And so we went and we got a shots. And, and this is the most traumatic thing ever for a child, in case you forgot what it's like. The, the doctors actually asked, they asked Shayla, they're like, hold his arms down and, and look into his eyes as we stick him with needles. What's up with that? That's like the worst parenting advice of all time. But, but she did it. And so after the initial shock of getting stuck, man, for the first time ever in my life, I saw my son's bottom lip puff out, you know, that, that, that big old fat lip puff out, and it's like heartbreaking in that moment, and then I heard like the velociraptor cry, like, Rah! you know, like that, that, uh, that initial cry, it's in pain, he's shocked, he's like, how could you do this, and all he wanted was Shayla, and Shayla picks him up, and just brings her up to her chest and starts rubbing his back and goes, it's okay. Two seconds later, crying done. Shayla did not take away that pain. What she did do is say, you know what? It's going to be okay. I'm here. I love you. When my life is being rocked by this broken world and your life is being rocked by this jacked up world, the cross is a reminder that God can and will redeem your situation. He might not take away that pain in that moment, but what he will do is he will scoop you up and go, you know what, it's going to be okay. And I love you. And I've got you in the middle of this situation. And so we've got to be reminded that the cross tells us that God loves us unconditionally. Secondly, the cross reminds us that God allows freedom in life. But in the middle of that freedom, he maintains control. Because if you think about at the cross where Christ is crucified, the situation looks out of control. Here is the Son of God being beaten by men. He is being, having a crown put on his head and pushed down. He's uh, getting nailed to a cross. His garments are being distributed and gambled over. Like all of hope for humanity is being lost in that moment. In that moment, it had to look like chaos. But it wasn't. God was not absent, nor was God out of control. And for some of you, your situation feels out of control, doesn't it? It's like you can't believe that he walked out on you. You can't believe that she left you. You can't believe that you've been diagnosed with cancer. You can't believe that your kids are going in that direction when you raise them this way. You can't believe that everything has fallen apart in your family situation. And the cross is this reminder that these two overlapping realities are happening. You have this broken world and you're praying, God, where are you and why aren't you answering this? Why are you allowing this? Why don't you stop this? And it's easy to ask the why question in that situation, but you don't need to ask why. What you need in that situation is faith. A lot of us, we're looking for answers, and what we need right in that moment is faith and saying, God, I choose to trust you. 
I choose to trust you more than this tragedy. I know that you're the God of resurrections. I know that you're the God of redemption. I know that you're the God of restoration. God, I know that if you are willing to send your son to take care of a situation, you're going to send something to take care of mine. See, and a lot of us, what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand why these things are happening. We're going, why? And listen, I don't understand why those things are happening. And I don't think God necessarily wants us to understand why those things are happening. We don't need to understand why. Here's what we need to get. There is a huge difference between understanding and trusting. See, trusting is what you and I need to do when we don't understand. That's what faith really is. It's saying, God, God, I trust that you are bigger than my tragedy. And I know it may seem chaotic from my point of view, but I trust that you are in control. And number three, God can use our worst to create something beautiful. One of the things that, that God is teaching me in, in my, my life at these, this point is that a lot of times I want my dreams more than I want God. If I'm just being honest, um, I want what God does for me rather than just wanting God. I want the things that God creates rather than the creator of those things. I really don't want God as much as I want what God can give me. And I'm trying to get to a point where I say, God, if you don't give me anything else in this world, I still owe you everything. And because uh, God has a perspective that I don't have. Because if you think back to the cross, think about the people that have been following Jesus for the last three years. When Jesus is being nailed to the cross, all of their hopes, all of their dreams, all of their expectations, all of their desires are being nailed with it. And from this perspective and from their perspective, everything they hoped in is dying in that moment. But we have a totally different perspective of the cross, don't we? We have about a 2,000-year perspective, and when we think of the cross, we see the cross as the most hopeful situation that has ever come to play. We see the cross as a symbol of hope, as a symbol of love, as a symbol of redemption, as a symbol of forgiveness, as a symbol that there can be life after death. We see it as a symbol that God can take something that is terrible and turn it into something beautiful. Why? Because of perspective. As I was preparing this week, I... I I was just thinking about my greatest fear because I'm, I'm sure that in that moment that was their greatest fear was happening in front of them. And so I was thinking about my greatest fear and it's actually my greatest fear not only for myself but, but for you and my greatest fear isn't that we'll abandon the gospel. My greatest fear isn't that, that, that we won't uh, continue in faith. Our, my greatest fear isn't that we'll do something majorly immoral in life. My greatest fear for my life and for your life is that we'll get just so busy and so distracted and just settle for this mediocre, unexamined life where we'll just settle into life as usual 
and never become the person that God created us to be. And here's my question, and I'm, I'm just being pretty transparent this week. My, my, what I'm wondering is, could it be possible, not saying that it is, but could it be possible that we need some shattered dreams, some unmet expectation, some pain in our life to rescue us from a mediocre, unexamined life? Do we need tragedies for God to work? No. But what I've found is that for my own life, when tragedy does hit, when difficulties do come, those are the moments that I press more into God, I pray more, I read more, I get more into community than I've ever been before. Peter Cesaro says this, he says, our culture routinely interprets losses as alien invasions that interrupt our normal lives. We numb our pain through denial, blaming, rationalizations, addictions, and avoidance. We search for spiritual shortcuts around our wounds. We demand that others take away our pain, yet we all face many deaths within our lives. The choice is whether these deaths will be terminal, crushing our spirit and life, or open us up to new possibilities and depths of transformation in Christ. And the beautiful truth is there is no crisis or shattered dream or unmet expectation that is so devastating that our God can't redeem. There is no amount of pain that, that Jesus cannot comprehend. He understands the betrayal and loss that you've experienced. He understands the hurt and the humiliation. He understands the disappointments and discouragement. Jesus simply understands. And so has it crossed your mind that, that maybe, just maybe, God is using your current pain to form something beautiful inside of you. Has it crossed your mind that maybe your shattered dream that you've been struggling with has really been an invitation for you to dive deeper into a relationship and intimacy with Jesus Christ? Is it possible that God wants to use your unmet expectations as a megaphone to rattle your world from a mediocre and mundane life that we would just go through. Listen, I don't have a bow for your pain, but what I do have for you today is a cross. And I don't want to make this sound really easy because a lot of times the church has come and it's it's kind of doing like the office depot trying to set out the easy button where you just hit it and it makes your pain and your shattered dreams and unmet expectations just go away.
Suvong kids, uh, sometimes we try to create shortcuts, promises of easy grace, push-button answers to complicated problems, illusions that we can go to church and work to bring in the kingdom out there in the world without entering the fiery process of bringing it into our own soul. And she goes on to say, living with questions can indeed be a miserable experience. We like things fixed, figured out, and nailed down, even if it means being nailed to a false, static existence. So many times we want to put all this in a nice pretty box and nail it down and have it all concise and simple and perfect. And the church as a whole, myself included, we've, we've done this. We've tried to make something that's super complicated, try to put it in this little container that just doesn't fit because we're just trying to solve something and make you feel better. But I've just found that over the last 11 years of my life of being in the waiting and being in the pain that sometimes God wants us to live right in the middle of our questions. Sometimes He wants us to linger in the waiting and in the hoping and in the praying. And I think that sometimes it's right in the middle of our darkest moments, right in the middle of our shattered dreams and our plan Bs that God's voice becomes most clear. So for those of you that are hurting today, I don't, sorry, I don't have an answer. But instead of an answer, God offers something better. He offers a solution. He offers the cross. So there's no bow for this series because I don't think you can put a bow on Christianity. So instead of a bow, I offer you a cross. Henry Newman says, Jesus' life and death is truly good news because it reveals to us how all events of our lives, even dark events, are not irreversible fatalities. Each moment is like a seed that carries within itself the possibility of becoming the moment of change. And I believe that this is that moment for some of you. Some of you have been experiencing and carrying some difficult and heartbreaking moments. And I believe that God today wants this to be a moment where the change begins to happen, where you won't necessarily have all the answers, but you will have a cross that will become a strong and hopeful anchor for your soul. Firm and secure. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me?